This is the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast, where we have conversations with everyday martial artists about their histories and how martial arts influence their daily lives. You are listening to the abbreviated version of this podcast, which is the first 20 minutes or so of the show. Please consider supporting the show by subscribing on our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash M-A-L-M-A-G. And for about the price of one coffee shop coffee per month, you can get access to four new podcasts each month one week before their YouTube release dates. You also have access to all of our existing shows, which at this point is about 100 hours of shows for you to enjoy. Individual shows can be purchased at our Gumroad page. That is malmag.gumroad.com. This week I get on Zoom and I connect to Atlanta and I talk to a dynamic martial artist down there with a rich history not only in his practice but in the historic building that he is in. Sule Welsh. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome to the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast uh, Season 2, sort of the first official episode beyond uh, the guys interviewing me of course so this would be the second episode of the second season and this if you are on uh, one of our patreon subscribers you're getting this on new year's day so happy new year and i've got a really awesome guy as you can tell um as i let this conversation kind of go on there was good stuff and i want to keep it in there this is a dear uh, friend of mine and i i honestly can't remember when i first met him it just seems like i've known him forever He's this guy with this great personality and wonderful smile. You walk into a room and you see him and you know that's a guy you got to go say hi to because he just looks, he just oozes friendly. Uh, this is Tule Welch from Atlanta. Welcome thank to the show. You, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the amazing intro. <laughs> Absolutely. No, and I'm happy to so be true. here, like, man. It's like, um... one of those guys, I think when, when anyone comes into any seminar or workshop or something that you're there you just look like one of those people that you have to go say hi to you're just like this very friendly energetic person that's true yep. <laughs> <laughs> the, the part about friendly and energetic not that you have to say hi to me but well, <laughs> <laughs> or else <laughs> I'm not even meaning it that way. If you don't want to, there's something wrong with your personality. That's all I could say. <laughs> you're just a you're people just that didn't a, say hi to me. They're not around anymore. No. Yeah, they're not. A, well, they're not a people person. You're just a grumpy old something or other. If you don't want to see, uh, you don't want to meet this guy. <laughs> I might rub off on him. Uh oh. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I can't be that. I can't be happy for you know. That's terrible. I might have a. Uh, yeah. I might have break my face making the mouth go not down but up you know <laughs> right right that's funny well shoot gosh we're well, it's great to be here man thank you no it's great you know I, I uh you you were on when i first started putting this thing together i that's what i was gonna ask when was your first episode oh my god talking about it and just again schedules yeah but uh, i know you've been doing it for a minute so when was your first one uh let's see literally it was released what is today today's the 13th of december that we're recording this i think it was a year ago two days ago so well it would have been a month so it might have actually been like the 12th or the 13th of december last year when we released the first now it was something that i had recorded quite a bit before 
time. Uh, it was Kent Nelson. You know Kent Nelson also out of Michigan? Yes. Yeah. I met yeah. him in instructor Kent. camps. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So Kent was the first one. And uh, there was a guy named Chris Bruce. Uh, I mean, he's still alive, so it's, he's still known as that. Yeah. Uh, he was my training partner at the academy for a long time. Great guy. Hoping to pull yeah. him back into this stuff. And he was sort of one of the um, brain, uh, brain trusts of this whole thing between the magazine and the podcast and stuff. And then um, he just kind of got busy with with his things. And uh, I think they're they're getting to a point that hopefully we can pull him back into um, doing stuff here as well. But he cool. and I sat down and interviewed uh, Kent when he was at the Academy. Okay. And of course, this is all pre-COVID. And the, the we were just kind of thinking, okay, we got to bank a bunch of these because I had no idea about the idea of doing something through like Zoom here. And because, right. you know, it would seem a little bit cheap in a way. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic hits and then this technology gets good and people accept it. And so I'm like, yep. oh, this is great. Now this is going to actually make it a little easier because now I can connect with people who are far away. I don't have to wait until they come to the academy and then try to get 30 people while they're there or even travel to get people, which would be the dream at some point. Hopefully, you know, this this gets that way as well. Yeah. But, you know, it's it's a nice to, to sort of be able to um, reach out through, through Zoom here, too, because now I can talk to people everywhere. Absolutely. At Absolutely. Any time. And so it's yeah, it's been uh, a year now. So I think you are probably I'm going to say the 50 ninth or 60th episode probably okay yeah cool. well congratulations man keep it going yeah exactly you know it's it's been great so when i did put it together i just off the top of my head got out you know excel and i just made a list here's the people off the top of my head that i want to get and you were actually on that first list now the funny thing is that list is like two years worth of people if I release one a year. So that, that's how many people I could just think of off the top of my head, let alone adding to the list later. You know, as I talk to people, I hear names and I go, oh, I don't know who this is or, or I don't know them or I've heard of them. Or if it was somebody that's pretty inspirational to someone I'm talking to, like, good God, Diana Rathborn probably gave me five or six people that I need to go talk to. You know, so mm-hmm. it's it's uh, it's a cool thing. That's very cool. That's yeah. Yeah. And so here we are doing it, man. Yeah, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shoot, I don't know where we left off, but let's, um, let's maybe, let's just kind of go to your superhero origin story here. When, um, when did you get involved in martial arts? Gosh, um, as a youth, it was, um, literally, I was just telling someone who was here today for a tour. Um, I was an athlete, you know, first, not really aiming at martial art of any kind, um, father you know was in the military so i remember when uh i don't know if it was myself my brother my mom had like a family conversation somehow it came up that we were doing martial art because <laughs> he didn't sign us up for it so to speak and he didn't disapprove of it but you know his reaction was what are you doing that for i had to touch you at a fight <laughs> <laughs> and it's just my brother and i so we're you know i have an older brother i'm the baby and so he was really my first martial art teacher trying not to get beat up but right he wanted to do martial art. And so just kind of following him into stuff, I'm 14 months younger. So there's not a big gap. Uh, sometimes I'm following him just because he doesn't want me to. And other times it's generally that like, I'm interested in what he's doing. So I was into soccer, um, running around basketball, football, just anything I could get my hands on with the ball, but really kind of took to soccer because I wasn't a big kid. 
And uh, even though where we grew up, I'm from uh, Reston, Virginia, was born in Washington, D.C. Uh, once my dad got out of the military, we moved to, to Virginia, which is just northern Virginia. Um, now it's probably more popular th than it was back then. But I say that to say in the proximity to D.C., Maryland, Virginia, that DMV, as we call it, you know, you're surrounded by football, baseball, basketball. And so a oh. lot of friends, just peers and things like that, you're just into the, the normal neighborhood stuff. Soccer was this new thing that came in, but it really hit hard because in the mid 70s, they were promoting it bigger in the nation's capital. And then, of course, it spawned out into the suburb areas, mainly because this guy Pele uh -huh. <laughs> was retired and then came back and was playing for a team out of New York. So he happens to be doing an exhibition in D.C., and I'm at the level I'm getting pretty good in soccer, playing in some of the advanced leagues. Even my brother was playing. So we got to go to an exhibition and actually meet Pele. Oh, wow. And kick the ball with them and, you know, does tricks over your head and takes five kids out on the field and abuses them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you thought you could play? Really? Me and the goalie. Yeah. I'm going to take you all on. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I was one of those kids. Embarrassed. Yeah. But at that point, I'm, I mentioned that because I'm drinking the cooler. There was nothing but soccer. I, right. I stopped playing basketball, didn't want to do Little League, anything. It was all soccer. And so my brother, you know, let's do the martial arts. Yeah, okay. Don't have the resources to do kind of a larger franchise environment. We would see him and we look at the windows and see the trophies. And mostly what we were surrounded by back then, this was early 80s. Uh, taekwondo was big. Judo was big. And probably karate. I didn't <laughs> see it advertised as much, but Taekwondo was pretty big. And so not being able to go that route, just due to finances, there was a class at the community center where you mm -hmm. could take all kinds of stuff. And so my mom, you guys go there. And we did. And some of the neighborhood friends would be there. Little did we know the guy teaching had mixed martial art background. He was <laughs> a fire seal team. He'd had second degree or something in Taekwondo already, had a black belt in Hapkido, had done some Aikido, Aikijutsu, and was plugged into many circles because in his off time, he was fighting amateur PKA, Professional uh, Karate Association. Remember that? I, oh, yeah. So he was fighting in that and he had won. He told me this years later. So I'll bring it up now. He said he actually won one of his bouts and the prize was to be an extra in a Bruce Lee film, right? A knockoff. Because again, Bruce Lee had passed at that point. Right. But Linda Lee was there giving prizes and letters to the winners. And wow. he reads the letter and is like, yeah, I'm not trying to get killed. So no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it wasn't with Bruce Lee, but it was like, you know, right. Late seventies, there was still all these offshoot. Yeah. Things. yeah. So we laugh about it later, but um, so he was just right. a local community center guy. And I didn't know what I was learning. I didn't sign up uh, for a specific thing, but it turned out to be hop keto is what he taught. And he did it in a non-traditional way, which is pretty cool. We got access to other people in his circle from the PKA circuit, from his SEAL training. And these guys would come in and, and you know, lightly spar with us Monday night. We had like an open mat night, non-traditional class. You could just spar. Uh, you kept it civil, but anything went. And they knew they were working with teenagers and, you know, different levels of people. So it was just a really fun environment. But he taught a structured class during the week where we had the ranking. And so that lasted maybe about a year at the community center. Um, he was getting the resources together to actually open a school. 
And during that first year, I think I probably quit at least once. <laughs> My brother <laughs> then got interested in swimming. And I said, eh, I already know how to swim. He got into that and diving and wound up doing that competitively in high school. And I said, not real interested. I stayed with martial arts, even though he didn't. And then I got into, because a friend of mine who was in it with me was also interested in gymnastics. We got into gymnastics, but we wanted to do gymnastics because we wanted to do flips in our martial art routines. Right. Of course. I was too tall. He stayed about average height. <laughs> he got to be a great gymnast. I kind of stopped after high school, even though I competed. And just martial art was always my steady after that. Stopped playing soccer. Just fell in love with it, man. Um, and and literally the rest is history. Uh, I stayed with it. I still keep in touch with him. His name is John Thomas. He's out of Reston, Virginia. Still teaches a single owner school. Uh, never went the franchise route. Um, probably his third school now out of that community center, but is still very active in the neighborhood doing breakathons and you know fundraisers um had a cable tv show for a while specifically about self-defense so just and all around i can't say enough about him phenomenal instructor phenomenal introduction for me to martial art and thanks to him when i earned my black belt uh which was in 1989 under him um he gave me my white belt back and he said what the black belt has taught you is that now you know how to learn you're actually starting now you haven't achieved anything he didn't say it like that but he was like you're starting this is the beginning not the end he did right. say that he said now what you should do is learn more because you know how to learn do research keep sharing you know go out there get your education because at that point tim i already knew i wanted to do martial art for the rest of my life and i, I even thought at that point in a naive brain didn't have a business plan or anything but i was like I want to do this for a living and maybe I'll just come back here and teach with you. We'll expect, you know, I'm like pinging around teenage type ideas, right? I was 19. Um, so he was like, just keep doing what you're doing and learn. And with that advice, I started getting more books. And three of the first books I got were Guru Dan's books. Uh-huh. So training with equipment uh -huh. and absorb what's useful. Wow. I went on a business trip with my dad to Philadelphia where I had to sit on the train for hours. And I got it at Asian World of Martial Arts in Philadelphia, yes. out of the store, off the shelf. And I'm just digging in. And so it was amazing, man. Of course, I'd seen Bruce Lee movies and stuff, but I hadn't done any of the, the real research. And, and I knew about Rear Dan just from looking at the shelf. And everything he put in there, I just started consuming right down to there's a particular passage I still have it highlighted in one of my books. Um, man, off camera, two seconds. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and he's running to dig through his bookshelf real quick to find the quotes. Still got him. That one? Oh, yeah. You that know, one? Six or seven hundred dollar book, that first one. There. Easily yeah. now. Have you had um, have you had Guru sign these? absolutely yes good yes good. <laughs> <laughs> there's no other way absolutely oh page there we go there look at that yes oh yeah so um one of the things he starts talking about is you know there's wing chun and there's these other things i hadn't heard about and in one of the passages, he says, if you're looking to cultivate close quarter trapping, look up these people. Wing Chun is a, is a good method. And he lists them. Mm -hmm. Augustine Fong, Francis Fong, Jason Lau. And he says where they are. Ah. So from that, I'm 
doing my research. The next best tool, right, is Black Belt Magazine, because in the back, right? they always yep. put the seminars. Yep. And so the I'm sweet- like, there's one in Atlanta. I can drive to Atlanta. And none of my <laughs> friends did martial arts except my one friend I talked about. So I convinced two who didn't have anything to do with martial arts. They go, oh, you're driving? We'll go party. You go to that thing and we'll drive back. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to what was then had just probably pivoted names. I don't remember. I knew it was called the Smoky Mountain Camp. But it wasn't yeah. that. It was advertised as the Southeast Martial Art Training Conference. Oh, OK. So I came down to Sifu Fong's to attend that in 89. And it was at a uh, I think it was like a big high school or something somewhere. His school wasn't big enough to host it like it does now. And uh, so I went to that one and literally he was there. Guru was there. Ajahn was there. And I forget. Um, it might have been. It was one of the Machado brothers. I don't know if it was John Jack. Or oh, really? else. I, I didn't attend that section. I did the Muay Thai, the Kali, and the Wing Chun. Mm-hmm. And Simo Paula was was traveling with Guru Dan then. Wow. So she was assisting. And that was my first real pox out. Thanks, Simo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is that really doing? Said, Come here. How? Yeah, I think yeah. my arm's still red. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's what that was. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that made an impression. That made a total impression. And uh, from there, I literally was, okay, I want to follow this advice and delve more into Wing Chun. I was teaching Hapkido still and relocated to Atlanta, literally, and started training with Sifu. Wow. Yeah. And that's from there, Guru was coming back then. You know, that was 89, 90, up until probably... I don't remember exactly when, maybe 2000-ish, but all through the 90s, I want to say he was coming three times a year to Atlanta. Three times. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I was making every one. I don't know. remember exactly when it went to two, but it was three times. And I was making those uh, on a consistent basis. But I was only training Wing Chun with Sifu. He had the Kali class. He had Muay Thai because at that former school, he had a boxing ring in the back. And we sometimes did our Wing Chun rounds in the boxing ring, but there were people, you know, teaching legitimate Thai boxing. I just didn't take it, uh, mm-hmm. nor did I delve too much into the college. So for those four years, I was teaching Hapkido still on the side, um, meeting guys. I was at Morehouse College here in Atlanta then. Other people that were martial arts kind of started an unofficial martial art club, and we'd co-teach stuff together and work out in the gym and, you know, behind the gym anywhere we could find because there was no facilities to speak of back then. But I would go to Sifu's, you know, routinely for Wing Chun classes, and that's all I could afford. And I would do it month to month. But whenever Guru came, I would do the Kali and get exposure that way and then kind of play around with the concepts. But I never took the actual classes. Uh, So kind of what we were talking about when we jumped on, when I left Atlanta in 94 and moved up to Charlotte, I was just, you know, talking with Sifu Fong. And I was like, you know, I want to try to keep the Wing Chun going. Do you know of anybody in Charlotte? And he he was like, you don't have a lot of Wing Chun and Charlotte that I know of, but these guys are there. So Rob Kelly and Doug Bradford and Scott Shields and Dickie Harrell, those names came up. And he's mm-hmm. like, look them up. You know, I'll give you their information. You can keep their timing. I mean, keep your timing good if you continue to train in the stuff. They're doing, you know, what you're seeing in the seminars. And you should always kind of branch out and try, you know, the other stuff. And I said, <laughs> you know, don't tell Sifu, no, absolutely. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he was right. It was just me getting out of my own way. He's always been great about encouraging me to try stuff. And so that that kind of helped me appreciate it. And then I would still Charlotte and Atlanta, three and a half hour drive. So whenever there was a Southeast conference, I'd drive back. 
Heck, I'd drive yeah. back to Atlanta for a haircut or find a reason to train with seafood if I had to. <laughs> <laughs> I had a job then. I could do that. I wasn't a college kid anymore. Right. So I did that and I'd make the workshops and book a private with seafood whenever I could. And then moved back here officially in 98. And at that point, um, my seeing Steve Grantham was helping more in that front office. And he's still teasing me. I came back on a house hunting trip because I had left banking and switched careers um, to work in, in marketing here in Atlanta. And I came to sign up at the academy before I had an apartment because he's like, put your address down here. And I'm like, well, my address is still. He's like, you don't have a place. I was like, I don't care, but I'll be here. Priorities. <laughs> Yeah, priorities. You got good priorities. I like where they're at. So that was it, man. From, from ninety-eight on, you're like, I can sleep in my car, but I could. I got a train here. Guilty. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that, and uh, wound up moving back here in ninety-eight, and have been in Atlanta ever since. Yeah. Wow. So, and then at that point, Sifu was offering as he was before you know, multiple arts, um, it, it actually kind of changed names. When I first started with in 89, it was Francis Fong Wing Chun Academy. That was on our shirts. Uh -huh. And then when I came back later, it was Francis Fong Martial Art Academy. And he had multiple things offered and a lot of, you know, great young men and women were assisting with the teaching and he was still, you know, doing the full-fledged Wing Chun. So I got into that. He'd even had, the one thing he added when I came back that he didn't have prior was the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu program. Uh -huh. And he had uh, a few instructors through there during that time as they were getting that thing up and going. Um, so I didn't delve into that right away, but I, I dove head first into the Kali and the JKD and the Muay Thai and kept with the Wing Chun and, um, you know, remain consistent with all of that. Wow. That's yeah. really cool. And you were back in Atlanta at, uh, if I remember it, because I remember it as sort of a, a pass-through area for me as I spent my most of my decade in the 90s in florida i lived in tampa okay. St. Pete for five years and went to and is a and a, am a graduate of the university of miami so i was in miami for a couple of years oh, and okay. tampa st pete was where i started training in jkd and kali and okay. my teacher there was a guy that had trained with guru dan at the Aspen suburb camps that he did in the late seventies and into the eighties. Mm. And so kind of a, a very unofficial recreation, uh, um, recreation center class, you know, on tennis courts kind of thing, but <laughs> nice. great information. You know, I came to the Innocento Academy fully prepared for everything that was there other than the pace. Crucos <laughs> 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 had a pace that like no one goes, but yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it was, it was really good training and, and uh, it was a, a wonderful foundation and everything, but I grew up in Illinois. So I had traveled, okay. you know, by car through there. And that time period, I think that you went to Atlanta was a massive growth period of that city. If I remember right, but there was like a massive construction and expansion. Uh, yeah, it was, it, it, was it was probably, it was starting right around then, like, like late eighties, early nineties, but it exploded in 94, because at that point, they got the Olympics. 
And this concludes the abbreviated version of the podcast. Please consider supporting the program by going to www.patreon.com slash M-A-L-M-A-G and subscribing to the show. You can also purchase this individual episode or any individual episode at our Gumroad page. That's malmag.gumroad.com. Thank you for listening to this episode with Sule Welsh. Coming up next week, I have a conversation with a martial artist who practices a rare martial art from Hawaii called Lua. That is Michelle Manu. Our Malmag online store at martialartslifestylemagazine.com has a full selection of Timmy B's brand sticks for FMA and Krabiker Bong. Timmy B's brand now selling in Japan as well. Beautiful Timmy B's brand shirts and Dos Manos shirts are available with new t-shirt designs and more products coming soon. An online course in the Dos Manos method for FMA is available under the courses tab. More courses coming soon. Check out the Places to Train tab to find schools near you and click on the events calendar page to see what seminars and events are happening all around the world. And of course, visit our main page for articles on the martial arts. Music by Jack L. Relic. Martial Arts Lifestyle Magazine and the Martial Arts Lifestyle Podcast are trademarked and copyrighted by TNT LLC. Yeah.